0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now. Amen.
1: At the height of World War II, there was a Protestant theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he was in prison for taking a stand against Hitler. Yet he continued to urge the fellow believers to resist the Nazi tyranny. Well, a group of Christians came to him, believing that Hitler was the actual Antichrist. They asked Bonhoeffer, why do you expose yourself to all this danger? Jesus is coming back. He's going to return any day, and all your work and all your suffering will be for nothing. Well, Bonhoeffer replied, if Jesus returns tomorrow, then tomorrow I will rest from my labor, but today I have work to do. I must continue the struggle until it's finished. That is an amazing testimony, church. Why? Well, Diedrich Bonhoeffer was living, we could say, radical for Jesus despite what was going on in the world. Think about it, World War II, everything going on, people saying, hey, hey, calm down, cool your jets. Jesus is gonna come back any minute. And 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 Bonhoeffer says, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. He may come back tomorrow. He may come back in the next five seconds. But I am going to what? I am going to continue doing what I'm doing. You see, he lived radical, going against the flow. And Diedrich Bonhoeffer declared, I have work to do. I must continue the fight. What was the fight? Well, first of all, we can see that he what? That he loved God. He sincerely loved God. If we take a moment and we let that sink in and the weight of it, we have to ask ourselves that all important question, do I love God? You go, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, churches, I, I don't want to get caught up in, in loving the concept of God and not God himself. There's a beautiful concept. Hey, there's there's this great spirit in the sky. He's God. He wants to love you. Wants to take care of you. I, we don't want to fall in love with the concept of God. We need to love God. And when we truly find and connected to God, we want to love people. And sometimes in our walks, that's the hardest thing to do is love people. And that's we can see that Bonhoeffer did that. And of course, based upon the story, we know that he was living radically. Well, much like Bonhoeffer in our story, there was a man much like him. His name was Enoch. And Enoch was a loyal follower of God. He told the truth despite opposition and ridicule. Let me say that again, church. He told the truth despite opposition and ridicule. And you and I, we can relate, can we not? We're living in a world where if we speak the truth We are going to encounter opposition and ridicule. People don't want to hear the truth. People don't want to hear what you have to say about God. People don't want you to live your life about God. And you can bet, like Enoch, you'll run into opposition and ridicule. Well, not much is told to us about Enoch. Okay. And, and, and other than the Bible says that he walked with God and then one day he was not. That's all it tells us about Enoch. Right. But, but here's my heart. Okay. I really believe that now in these last days, you go, Pastor, you keep saying last days. I mean, I mean, let's, let's just, let's just get this out on the table. People have been saying Jesus is coming back for so many years. Well, you keep saying last days. Well, Think about it, guys. We've never been in a position ever before than we are for the return of Jesus Christ. We've never been that way before. Even just a few years ago. I mean, think about the, uh, you know, just think about how the, the, the cell phone has come about. Think about how it works now and, and I mean, things that we can do with this with just this tiny computer in our hands. Think about that there's nothing prophetically that has to happen before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. Think about how even now the RFID chip is being inserted into people's hands for the sake of convenience and even employment and security. You cannot get into your job without without this chip in your hand. Hey, you go, pastor. I wouldn't take the chip. I just wouldn't well, here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. That's Let me back up just a little bit. If we were to say, if we were to drop the mark of the beast onto society without any forerunning, people would reject it. But you start conditioning a society, a culture, with security, with, with, you know, identity theft the way it is, and you, oh, I wanna, I wanna make sure that wasn't me, and so forth. Guys, you can see how the world is headed that way. And so, I believe that God is shaping us down here so that we fit in heaven. You go, what do you mean? Well, I believe that part of living radical is going to be suffering. And I believe that part of living radical is going to be persecution, specifically in the last days. But now, as we come to the end of our series, I believe that living radical has actually come full circle. You go, well, how so? Well, Enoch, guys, was, was a man who I believe had an encounter with God. Well, why do you keep saying that, pastor? Because guys, it's not enough for us to attend church. It's not enough, uh, enough for us to be attenders. And we walk out of here and, and, and we're not changed. We don't have an encounter with God. We have to come and open up our hearts and say, Lord, speak to me. I got to hear your voice. I want to walk with you every single day. I want to know that I'm in the right direction and what I'm doing. And Lord, I want to have this relationship. I want to be able to call out to you and cry out to you and, and pray to you and know that you're walking with me and know that you have my back. I want to have this relationship. You see, Enoch, I believe, had an encounter with God. I believe he loved God and I know that he walked with God every single day. But I also believe that Enoch Church is a picture of hope for you and me. For you see, one day, as we continue our walk with God, well, one day, I believe, that we'll be taken as well. You say, Pastor, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, let me clarify this, okay? Let me clarify this. As we walk in a world of darkness, simply reflecting the light of Christ, living radical for Jesus, I believe that someday we will take our final breath in on this earth. You go, well, what do you mean? You're gonna talk about death again? Well, here's the thing, guys. None of us is promised tomorrow. None of us is promised next week. None of us is promised even tonight. And I think it's important to realize that, again, that there will be some of us who will have our final days on this earth. And here's what happens, guys. You will take your final breath on earth. Because you're a believer, you will exhale the final oxygen out of your lungs. Your body will stay here, but you will be in the presence of the Lord. You go, how so? Well, the Bible says to you and I, to be absent from the body is to be present with The Lord. Now for believers, we're going to just go, it's going to be glorious. And I really am excited because I really believe that all of us who love Jesus and follow Jesus won't see death, if you will. I believe Jesus will stand, come in the middle of it and say, hey, you ready to go home? And I'm like, yeah, let's get out of here. And I believe he'll take us. I think that's one way that you and I could be taken, guys. I think of I think of the many of the many people who have attended Calvary Chapel and are not here anymore. And and I think of those, and and I think, well, what if I? You know, I guess I'll either attend. I'll either do your funeral or attend your funeral, one way or the other. But. Another way, guys, is what we're going to learn tonight. I believe that we might be here walking with God and hear the final trumpet sound, and the Bible says we'll be taken, the word is caught up violently. If you're taking note, I'll show you what it means, but the Greek word is harpazo, and it actually means to seize, to catch up, away, to take by force. That's what it means. When you take harpazo and you translate it into Latin, you get the word rapturo, where we get our English word rapture. So when you hear somebody go, hey, you ever hear about the rapture? That's where we get it from. Now you go, well, okay, okay, but where do we get it from? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we've studied this in our mixtape series, but let me go over it with you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he's writing this, and he wants to give them some hope. And he starts in verse 13, and he says, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who had fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. May your attention, please. The first thing Paul tells us, he goes, guys, Listen, I'm writing this, and I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. Okay? Why? Because they were crying, going, What has happened to my loved one? My loved one was alive and breathing, now he's dead, and I don't know where he's gone. What's going on? How does Paul says, Don't be ignorant. He says, There are a few people that, that don't know the Lord, have not walked with God, and they're they have no hope. He says, But for you, for you, church, he says, here's, here's the remedy, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so. God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. Here's why. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Now here's what's going to happen. Then the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. There's the word. There's the word harpazo, to be snatched up. It means to violently grab up. Okay, what did Paul just say? Paul said, okay, it's going to go down like this. Okay, you all believe in Jesus? You believe? Yeah, well, I believe. You believe he died and rose? Yes, I'm saved. All right. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to be busy. You're going to be doing your grocery shopping. You're going to be doing whatever you do at your work. And all of a sudden, you're going to hear this trumpet sound and the ark arch- and the voice of an archangel, and you'll know. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. Here's the hope we have. People who have accepted Jesus and have gone in past our loved ones, they're going first. And now you're just going, wow, so they're gonna be they're gonna be caught up first. They're gonna be caught up first. That's what that's what the word of God says. Then those it says what? It says they're gonna be the dead in Christ will rise first. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if you were around any type of... I mean, it's probably going to happen so fast we won't imagine, but i just like to think about this for a moment. If you're around a graveyard or something, that would freak you out first, wouldn't it? Doom, 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 doom. You're just like, ah, you know? And then it says, then we who are alive, I hope all of you are alive in here today. You're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And he says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, he says, comfort one another with these words. Okay, so what brings comfort? Let me tell you what brings comfort. That you have truly had uh, an encounter with Jesus and that you're born again and that you're walking with God. Well, pastor, I, I do that, but I make so many mistakes. He's not talking about mistakes. He's talking about being in an encounter and your belief system is I like, put my faith and trust in what Jesus did. I, I just know that. He says, it's not about mistakes. It's not about, it's. you're going to walk. Guys, listen, progressive sanctification means every single day, you're gonna be a little bit more like Jesus. You're gonna grow in that area. You know, back in the day, back in the day, and, and, and some people still do this, you'd go to the store and you'd buy seeds, right? You would buy seeds, and you take some seeds and you'd get some dirt and you'd mix it all up and you put some seeds and then you'd water it and you'd hope that, that something would grow, right? And you're like, yeah, that's, that's seeds. But nowadays you can buy plants already growing, take them and replant them and hopefully they grow. But the concept of the seed is very interesting. You go, why? Because what do you have to do with the seed? It has to what? It has to die first and go in the ground, doesn't it? And then it's covered up. And then what happens is eventually, it's, it's a beautiful resurrection. Well, that's what happens to us spiritually, guys. We died. We've died. The old person is dead, and now you're growing. But here's the point. It takes time to grow. It takes water. It takes sunshine. It takes nutrients. It takes all of these things to get you growing, and that's exactly what you're doing. And what the enemy will come, and the enemy will come and tell you and say, hey, you guys are not doing it right. You're not even growing. I can't believe you're not even saved. You need to just stop that. You're growing, and he's going to grow. And progressive sanctification means you're going to be more like Jesus tomorrow than you were yesterday, despite all of your mess-ups and setbacks. You're growing. And that's the beautiful thing. Don't ever let the enemy tell you that you're not growing. That you're not somebody. I've said this a thousand times. Listen, you go, Ben, 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 Ben. But, but I'm not where I want to be. Yeah, but you're not where you were. I'm, I, I, there's so much, I just see my... Yeah, but you're not where you were. Do you remember where you were? And so... Paul tells us, guys, that uh, that that's the first thing. This is how we comfort one another, that you're gonna, we're going to introduce you to Jesus. You have an encounter with Jesus and that you're going to walk with Jesus. And then one day, you might not be walking with Jesus anymore down here. And that's the hope. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words, right? Now, that's Enoch, and we'll get to him in just a minute. But consider with me, Guys, people from all walks of life living radically. And I got to be honest with you, when we sat down and said, okay, we're going to do a Live Radically series, I didn't point, I didn't picture, I didn't point these guys out, and I think this is how it would work, and it was the Lord. And we started with one, and we just kept moving, but, but, but let's go through. Let me show you, let me show you. For example, guys, we've talked about six particular persons, right? Today will be the seventh. But we started out with a fellow by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was an interesting fellow, and he had a real encounter with Jesus. And his salvation caused him to live even more radically. You go, what do you mean? Think about this. He gave away half his wealth to the poor, and he gave back four times what he had stolen, right? Now, let me just dig a little bit deeper, because on my desk is a book that I'm reading, and it mentions Zacchaeus, and it brought out some stuff that that just just blew my mind, and so I wanted to share it with you, okay? So we know that Zacchaeus, what was he? He was short in statue, he was a short in statue, he was a small little man, okay? But statue also means that nobody liked him because he was a tax collector, a chief tax collector, okay? So let's dig just a little bit deeper on Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was, he was a short man. But the question that we would be asking if we really studied this, we said, well, why wouldn't a short man just kind of stand in front of the taller people, right? If you go to a parade, where do you want to go? You want to get in front of all the... I mean, if you're short, that's what we do, right? We go to a parade, and what do we put our kids? We put them in front, right? And you go, well, yeah, that that, that makes sense, Pastor. Well, obviously that he was what? He was short in stature, but meaning that stature also meant that People would not allow him to get in front, that they scorned him, they ridiculed him, they, they kind of said, no, no, we know who that is. And so he couldn't just go, hey, I'm going to walk in front. Now, I want you to think about Zacchaeus for just a moment, okay? When we talk about tax collector, we always say, hey, you owe $40 in taxes when really your tax bill was 20 It was much, much more than that. Think about the power that Zacchaeus had, okay? If Zacchaeus, if your tax bill was, let's just say your tax bill was $100 for the year. That was your tax. And Zacchaeus came to your house, and he was the chief tax collector, and he said, okay, your, your tax bill is $500. And you'd go, oh! Now, what, what, what would we think? Most of us would go, I ain't paying it. I know it's not $500. I'm not. You, know, you realize that he had the authority and the power of the Roman soldiers to come in, and take you to prison. You had to, by force, pay it. And so you're just, you were just, you looked at this guy and you're like, look, you have the Roman army at your command. Oh, get out of my neighborhood. That's how much they hated Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus also, guys, well, he does what is considered undignified. You go, why? Because Zacchaeus was rich. He was very proper. And he handled him in a very dignified way. Well, he did something that was, was so undignified that he was actually open to ridicule. You go, what did he do? A man of his stature, his status, did not climb a tree. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just, he just he would not do it. Zacchaeus says, I don't care right? I'm going to climb the tree. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to see Jesus. And I think that's so important. That's so important. How many times, guys, how many times, how many times are we going, no, I won't do that. I won't. His, his need for Christ The living God far outweighed anything that anyone could say or ridicule him about. Well, guess what? Here comes Jesus, right? Jesus comes along, and guess who he saw in the crowd? Who were they? Well, you realize that then the crowd was mainly respectable and religious people. And they actually felt, what? They felt superior to sinners and tax collectors. They thought they were, they're in the crowd and they're like, we want to see Jesus too. And I don't understand why we don't see Jesus. And Zacchaeus is like, I can't get through. They're not letting me through. Now, let me give you a nugget of truth, okay? Jesus, instead of addressing any of them, those that felt what? Respectable or the religious, guess what he did? He singled out the most notorious sinner in the whole place. you go, "Wow, do you realize that?" and Jesus, when he saw Zacchaeus Zacchaeus now, now listen, listen, we we sing that song right, for I'm going to your house today we 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 can sing the song and and we know, but guys, listen, that encounter. Was life changing. And you go, why? He was the most notorious sinner, on, undignified, on a tree, open to ridicule. Jesus comes by and says, I'm not worried about these. Zacchaeus. And when Zacchaeus saw that Jesus had chosen the least virtuous person in the crowd, himself, for a personal relationship, this is when his spiritual understanding began to change. You go, how so? That encounter produced what? He began to realize that God's salvation was by grace, not through moral achievement or performance. Wow. Do you, you see that? That encounter started in the tree. Well, that left Jesus open to ridicule, right? Well, I can't believe this. Right, 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 right. I can't believe He should He should be talking to us. We're the religious people of the day. Here's what I love about Jesus, right? Here's what I love about it. if Jesus were to come back today and, and walk, I pray that he would come and he would, he would talk to us. Why? Because we're nobodies. Oh, I'm not I'm not real important. That's the whole point. The point is he came to save sinners. So Zacchaeus was the first one, had a real encounter with God. Then we talked about Daniel, right? Daniel lived for God. He just got up and he said, okay, that's what happens when we get saved, guys. At that point, we begin to walk for Jesus. It was the other day. that Nathalie and I were having this discussion and she said, you know what? One of the things that I remember, when I got saved, nobody told me I had to read the Bible. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. I just knew when I got saved, I had a real encounter with Jesus and I began to walk with him. Now, we do have discipleship, and we continue to push you through discipleship. That's great. Get good knowledge, have a good foundation. But she began to walk with Jesus, just like Daniel. She began to walk. Why? Because everybody was going the, the, the different way. And, and, and Daniel says, guess what? I am a, I'm a Hebrew, not a heathen. And so regardless of what everybody's doing, he was walking and living for Jesus every single day and that hits close to home guys cuz we get up every single morning and i think it's real important that we spend time with the lord talking to him walking with him praising him worshipping him and then i think we allow him to have have listen there's encounters for us every single day that god wants to use us if we're just open god what do you what do you have for me today somebody comes walking in your office that, that never walks in your office and you have a great conversation and and you're a hope of encouragement. Well, Daniel lived radically simply by what? Living for God in a world that, what? that wasn't living for God. And then we talked, about, we talked about Tabitha and how she stepped up and served. And that really should be a byproduct of us walking with God. Where's the need? Where can I feel a need? What do I need to do? What can I, where can I serve? Where can I serve? Why? Because we're not serving the church, if you will. We're serving who? We're serving God. When you serve and you're just like I'm here, I'm available. That's that's what she did, and 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 because she served, guys, guess what? Man, lives were trained, lives were changed because because Tabitha thought, what could I do? What could I do? How can I serve? And then we talked about Jonathan, you remember him? King Saul's son and David's BFF, he was a man who stepped out in faith to watch God work on Israel's behalf. And, and here's my prayer, I'm praying and I'm waiting guys, I'm waiting for, for men and women to step up and go, God use me, I'm stepping out in faith, what can I do? I'll lead a Bible study, I'll, I wanna be trained up, I'll, what do you want me to do? I'm deathly afraid to sing, I'll get up there and sing, I'll step out, God if you're with me I wanna do something. Be a Jonathan. Step out in faith. Guys, I don't want to plant churches just to plant churches, but I know that we need we need Bible teaching churches all over Texas. We we need that. People need that. And we talked about Job, remember Job? And how he suffered for his faith. He lost everything, every bit of his stuff and family as well as his health. That was Job. And sometimes in this world, guys, we're going to suffer. It's written It's written throughout. I mean, if you want to do a study on suffering, you'll know a lot of... I mean, think about it. But we want to suffer because, because the Lord is directing us. Not because we're being silly or we do something silly. I mean... I mean Job was just living for God and, and 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 out of all of that, Job didn't curse God, did he? And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, I think I would. Ah, oh, Lord, I, I, I want the strength and, and the spirit to say, no, I won't do it. But I mean, think about it. Here's the thing. Listen, I mean he lost he lost everything. And you might be going like, I don't have a whole lot, so let him take it. You know, my 1986 television that barely works, they can have it. He lost everything, every bit of his stuff, but he lost all of his wealth. Can you imagine your bank account? Well, Pastor, I don't care. I don't have any money in the bank account too. But what about your family? And family, guys. that would hit hard that would be tough and and i mean i mean i mean just think about it let let the weight of that i mean like like i got i got my wife here and my daughter and my son-in-law and my baby my granddaughter and my i mean think about it, all gone all gone And maybe I can crawl out through that, being honest. But then Job loses his health too. Of course, Job didn't lose his wife, so honey, you're safe, so you're all right. But, I mean, that's just, and here's what I want to, here's the point I want to get to, guys. We don't, guys, we don't follow Jesus because he's going to make our life better. I mean, he does, doesn't he? But we don't follow him for that reason. Guys, we follow Jesus because he should be better than anything that you anything in this life. And, and here's what we got to be careful for. Okay, here's what we got to be careful. You ready? Your relationships, you got it, they're good. Can I get an amen? Relationships are good, right? But when we turn and we make those ultimate, is when we then take them and they're now an idol. And and when you make them an idol. Uh, people make horrible gods. They can't live up to any of that standard. Take something good, right? And what are you supposed to do? Guys, reverse it. Here's why. Do you, re- you realize that, that idols, you, you, you really, in our hearts, because they're idol factories, we really can't, like, not have an idol, in a sense. So, we can't, like, Quench, kill, dispose of an idol. We all we simply do is replace it. So something, somebody goes, you know what? Ah, uh, my idol was, you know, my idol's food. My idol's food. Let's just say, it. my idol's food. And and so, and I gained all this weight, and I realized that I I just took something good. Food is good, and I made it ultimate. And so I I what I did is I reversed it. But then I went to the gym, and now I work out seven days a week, and I do this. Well, what have you done, guys? You've replaced the food with the gym. And there's still an idol. You go, well, what's, what's the key? We have to take that which is ultimate and make that Jesus. And when you make Jesus ultimate, everything that's good is still good. And what you do is you praise God for the good, but you never make it ultimate. Paul says that in Romans, didn't he? He said, he said they began to worship the what? The creature rather than the creator. That's what they did. They took something good and made it ultimate. And so, again, we don't follow Jesus because, why? He makes life better. We follow him because he's better than life. And for the sake of our study, I've got to hurry. Last week, we talked about Stephen, and Stephen was a man who was persecuted and actually killed. Do you know what his crime was? you know what his crime was? Loving God, serving widows, and having Bible studies. That's all. He was a deacon. He was a servant. What'd you do? man? Can you imagine when Stephen got to heaven? Well, I made it. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Well, what happened? What did you do? I was just loving God and, and serving the widows and having Bible studies. That's what killed you? That's what I got killed by. Wow. That's exactly, and I mean, you think about it. You think about it. So let's break this down real quick, okay? Here's what living radical means. It means you have a real encounter with Jesus. You begin to live your life for Jesus. You begin to step up in your faith and meet the needs of those. You just start to grow and serve. Then you begin to step out in faith and find your place in ministry. But you also realize that radical living means sometimes suffering in this life, and radical living sometimes means persecution or even death. And now, last but not least, our profile tonight is found in a man named Enoch. Uh, Allow me to set the stage. Enoch, guys, holds a rare distinction in the Bible. Why? He did not die. Instead, the Bible just says that God took him away. Scripture does not reveal much about this remarkable man, We find a story in Genesis chapter 5 in a long list of descendants from Adam. The Bible tells us that Enoch walked faithfully with God in Genesis 5.22, and then it's repeated in 5.24. Um, So we know that he was special to his creator. The time... Well, it was a wicked period right before the flood, guys, where most men did not walk faithfully with God, okay? So let me set the stage. It's almost like the same scenario that you're facing, okay? You're living in a world, if we can shoot straight, where a lot of people are not faithfully walking with God. They will claim Christianity for whatever reason, but we're living in a world where they're not faithfully walking with God. This is what's going on in Enoch's day. It's about it's about to go down, and this is the scenario we get, okay? So these men, they walk their own path, their crooked way of sin, Guess what? Enoch didn't keep silent about the sin around him. Jude says that Enoch is going to prophesy about those old people. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But with that, let's pick up our story in Genesis chapter 5. It's simply a a genealogy from Adam to Noah. Look at verse 18. It said, Genesis 5.18, Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. And after he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years, had sons and daughters. Verse 20. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and he begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were what? 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him, that's all we got on Enoch, there it is, there's your Bible study, let's go home, no, just kidding, stay there, now, here's what's really cool, before we get into what happened with Enoch, let me kind of give you some interesting facts about these verses, okay, we know that the Bible said, now, and if you want to take note, this is going to be cool, okay, we know that, that Enoch's father was Jared, okay, now, I know what you girls are thinking. You're thinking a jewelry store. Don't go there, okay? He didn't go to Jared. That was his dad, okay? His uh, So Jared's had children. He had Methuselah. And then it says he went on and had other sons and daughter. Well, Methuselah's great-grandson was a fella by the name of Noah. So now you got Jared, you got Methuselah, and you got Noah, okay? So let's chat for just a moment, okay? This is going to blow your mind. Jared has a boy, and they name him Enoch. Then he goes on to live, check this out, 962 years before he died. That's a long time to live. 962. Now, remember, this is pre-flood days. Okay, this is before judgment had come on the earth. They're living a long, long time. Enoch has a boy, and they he goes, oh, look at this boy. and And, and let's name him Methuselah, right? Well, at the ripe old age of 65, that's basically when, when, when Jared has Enoch at 65 years old. Can you imagine? If you live 962 years, when you're 65, you're like a toddler. I mean, this is like, I mean, I'm not even in my first 100 years. Check this out. If you're taking notes, the name Jared actually means, check this out, to go down or to descend. That's what Jared means. And you go, okay. Then he names who? He names his son Enoch. You know what Enoch means? His name means dedicated and trained. So you got Jared, Enoch, and then Methuselah. His name means when I die, it will come. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine naming your kid? What's his name? When When he dies, it'll come. What? I don't know, but that's what we named him. When I die, you, you guys tracking with me? Now, interesting story. Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. And when he died, what came? Judgment. The flood came. Do you realize that? He lived now, and you go, wow, wow. Right, The flood happened right after Methuselah died, and he was the oldest person ever to live. He lived almost a 1,000 years. Well, why? Guys, if, if you have a pencil handy and you're still there in Genesis 5, you can circle Methuselah and you can put God's grace. You go, why? God was just patient. He was, he was just 969 years. So for almost a 1,000 years, God was giving a people the chance to repent. And they didn't do so. So God told Noah to build an ark, right? After 120 years and this amazing object lesson, why? Because it's an ark. The world was in judgment. You guys know what that judgment was? It was the flood, right? 40 days and 40 nights it rained, but water came up from the ground. Well, after 53 weeks of floating... The ark finally came to rest. Methuselah's great-grandson was named Noah. Do you want to know what his name means? The giving of rest. That's what Noah means, the giving of rest. So, here's our story. You ready? Jesus descended, came down from heaven, right? Jared? To save us from our sins, to establish a relationship with the Father, we, as a result of living for God, should be dedicated to him. And then one day, Jesus is going to come back for us. And then the and there'll be judgment on earth for a time. But then there'll be eternal peace for us you realize that the names in the Old Testament just spelled out the gospel message? Guys, living radically means that one day you'll have rest in the arms of your Savior. Enoch walked with God 365 years of his life, and that made all the difference. No matter what happened, guys, he trusted, he obeyed. God loved Enoch so much that he spared him the experience of death. So the question you should be asking is, Pastor Ben, what does it really mean to walk with God? To walk with God, right? Well, it was often used as a common phrase in the Eastern country, countries denoting constant and familiar involvement. That's what it means. It was, to, it was sought his, his guidance, believed his declaration, obeyed his commands, and enjoyed his presence, okay? Walking with God was not walking ahead of God, Hey, God, come on, I'm walking with you. Come on, we're going. Walking with God was not behind him. You know what walking with God was? It's just arm in arm, hand in hand, walking with God. But listen to what it means. Ready? First of all, it means, guys, that you're going to, you're going to have familiar involvement. So the question is, is, do you have familiar involvement with him? Have you sought his guidance? Lord, guide me. Show me. Have you believed his declarations or obeyed his commands? But here's the one thing, guys. Have you enjoyed his presence? Have you enjoyed his presence? Here's what the enemy does to a lot of us. Maybe not you, but let me just say this for the sake of our study. Here's what the enemy does for a lot of us, guys. Right? A lot of us, what does he do? He, he wants God to just, he, he wants God, he, he presents God as a killjoy, doesn't he? We all, we all get together, and it's like, oh, and, and God's there watching, and he's going to hit us with a billy club, and if we just get out of step, and nobody ever enjoys his presence. Nobody ever goes, oh, my goodness, the grace of God is so amazing, and we just want to hang out, and we just want to love on God. And part of loving on God, guys, is fellowship, and you're just talking, and you're laughing about Jesus, and what amazing that is. The enemy wants to distort that. Why? Because he doesn't want you to enjoy his presence. But that's what it means to be walking with God. Okay, so that's all we have in Genesis. Now turn with me to Hebrews 11. You should already be there. Here it tells us that Enoch was pleasing God. Hebrews eleven five. Notice, the writer of Hebrews tells us, By faith, Enoch, there he is, was taken away so he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For right before he had taken, he had this testimony that He pleased God. Do you guys see that? Do you see that? The writer of Hebrews assumes that only a man of faith could enjoy close communion with God. And he says, listen, before he was taken, he pleased God. By faith, guys, Enoch Enoch pleased God. But let me tell you this too. By faith, you please God too. We please God as well. The Bible says that one day, you can see it in Hebrews, that Enoch was minding his business, having good fellowship with God. And God said, hey, come on home. But I love it says that like right before he was taken, that he had this testimony. That he pleased God. And then it goes on to tell us in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, last turn, guys. Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1 in verse 14 says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them and all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in ungodly ways and all of the harsh things which the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, notice, guys, in this wicked period before the flood, most men did not walk faithfully with God. They walked their own path in their own crooked way of sin. Enoch says, no, 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 not going to happen. I got to tell you the truth. I got to tell you the truth. Jude says that Enoch actually prophesied about these evil people. Now, here's the note we need to get, right? Living, guys, living a radical life for God. It means that living faithfully in light that Jesus could return any minute. Joe mentioned this earlier, and I've said it. You know what, guys? We need to live our lives like Jesus is coming back in the next five seconds. We need to plan our lives like he's not coming back for 100 years, but we need to live our lives like he's coming back. Number two, living radically means, guys, we can't keep silent anymore. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to speak to those, to anyone who will listen. We need to share. We can't keep silent. It's funny, I was listening to the radio the other day, and that old song came on. I think it was 97, one of the oldies, but it was that, that song where it says, silence is golden, but my eyes still see. And I keep, I always remember that, you know, silence is golden. It's like, it's not when people's lives are at stake. You know, we, we've we got to speak the truth. Let me, let me close with this before we move into com- communion. Enoch and the other Old Testament heroes mentioned in the Hall of Faith, walked by faith, guys, in hope of a future Messiah. The Messiah has been revealed to us in the Gospels as Jesus Christ. When you put your trust in Christ as Savior and walk with God as Enoch did, well, here's, here's the results, guys. You might die physically, but then you'll be resurrected to eternal life. Or you might be raptured and taken to heaven just like paul tells us either way we win either way we win here's the thing moses tells us guys to to help us number our days to think about okay how many days do i have left on this earth help me seize the moment so we have a so we, so we can get wisdom and we can get understanding, and so that's my encouragement to you. That's my exhortation, guys. Tomorrow, tonight, wherever it is, think about that. Okay, God, what what do I need? What 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 do I need to do? I don't know how many days I have left, but God, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what you want me to do. You go. What what do I need to do? You ready? Jot this down because is homework, okay? You ready? Jot this down. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to enjoy his presence. That's all. Just spend time with your God. Enjoy his presence. Let the Holy Spirit just wash over you like a flood. And we can start that even now. Even now. As we get ready to partake in communion, church, let me remind you that communion is about remembrance, but it's also about a celebration. You go, how so? Well, in a minute, Josh is going to lead us in song and in worship, but here's what I want you to think about, okay? It's about remembrance. And the first thing we want to do is take a moment to look within. God, where am I with you? Have I walked away? Have I strayed? Have I not talked to you? Have I not returned your text messages? Have I, I'm sorry, Lord. You are the most important thing in my life. I want you to look within. And if there's something there, if there's got some bitterness or some anger, confess that, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I brought this in today and I'm gonna let it go. And then I want you to remember he says, do this in remembrance of me, but what should we remember? I want you to look back. I want you to think and look back at your life and think how wonderful your God has been to you and tell me what you really deserve. Do you deserve everything you have? We don't deserve any of it. The house, the car, the food, whatever he's blessed you with, we don't deserve it. He's blessed us and, and how he's brought us through this far and how he's never left us nor forsaked us. And he's been guiding us all the way. And we want to look back and we want to remember those things. And last but not least, it's a celebration. You go, how so? Guys, it's a celebration because we want to look forward. You forward to what? He's coming back for us. And let me say this to you, okay? There's only one thing better than going to heaven. You know, what's that? It's taking somebody with you. Our job is to depopulate hell and to populate heaven by presenting the Savior. Lord, use us that way that we may be a strong witness to you in Lubbock, Texas. In Jesus' name.